I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Good people, good people, good people across the world. You are in for a treat today because what it has taken for us to get to this show, (laughs) trust me, you are going to enjoy it. Uh, But I am here and I have the pleasure of speaking with a woman of great faith, of great patience and a great vision. That's what I'm going to tell you. That is Dr. Cindy Augustine. And she is an entrepreneur. She is a global speaker. She's an author. Like, I don't know what she doesn't do. (laughs) Let me put it that way. But someone who just in connecting with her, her power is absolutely felt. And it is my greatest hope that you really feel what I'm feeling. And we've only talked but a couple times and through even like voice messages. So Dr. Augustine, thank you for being here. Please, 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 please tell these amazing people who are listening who you are and about all the impactful things you're doing. Well, good day. Greetings, everybody globally, right? I am Dr. Cindy. I go by Cindy Speaks Global because wherever I am, I'm always speaking, whether it's on the phone, in person, no matter where I go, it's a platform to not just speak, but speak with purpose and wisdom to impact the world. My platform, again, is Cindy Speaks Global, where I am the academic curator for Cindy Speaks Global, which provides curriculum for, you know, students, parents, families, as well as entrepreneurs. And um, I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Eve on her amazing platform. And I love the concept of first-gen graduates. I'm a first-generation student. I know what it's like. I know the struggles and I know the triumphs. And so I am looking forward to the dialogue that we are going to have this day. Mm, thank you so very much for that. And, you know, again, just for the work that you're doing. I love academic curator. That's a new one for me. So I'm like, oh, right now. Just again, just the vision that you have. Why speaking? When did you know? Because I, I, you know, I'm going with this, that you had a voice and you were supposed to use it. Well, when I was younger, I was always ridiculed because of my voice. Right. And I never took any speaking lessons or speak coaching or speaking therapy. And as a result, I always became muzzled. And I never saw myself as a teacher. I never saw myself as a speaker. And so it was not until my high school years when I was in Academy of Travel and Tourism, I realized I had a voice. I had something to say. And from that point on, I never turned back because I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. I've had a lot of trials and tribulations. But at the end of the day, it's me speaking It's me declaring. It's me making certain that I become the voice for the voiceless. I become that sound that changes the narrative for students, parents, families, and the educational community. Mm. 
And so in doing so, what have you learned? I've learned that my voice matters, to be very honest. Mm. Yes, I may have been raped at seven. Yes, I may have been molested up to 16. Yes, I almost didn't graduate from high school. But you know what? I use my voice to propel me from graduating from a community college, going and getting my bachelor's degree, getting my first, second master's, as well as now my doctorate. And so that couldn't happen if I stayed muzzled. That couldn't happen if I chose not to take ownership of my my choices and my decisions. And when I decided that I had the control to decide and the will to choose correctly, I became unstoppable. Mm. So you said that you had to own it, right? I had to own it. But what made you know that it was you that needed to own it? Why wasn't that it was everybody else's fault? Because what happened to you happened to you. That didn't have anything to do with, you know, you trying to own it. You didn't ask for that. True. And that's 100% true. But in terms of the education arena, in terms of life in general, I choose not to be the victim. Hmm. And when you're the victim, you begin speaking and behaving like the victim. I choose to be the victor. I choose to be the winner. Why? Because Christ died for me. He made it available for me to succeed. And at a very early age, I realized, yes, I failed in a lot of things, but dog it, I have a right and I have a choice to change the narrative to do something different. And that's what I did. Mm, I, I love that. Thinking about you having experienced what you did, what gave you the courage to finally speak up to let it be known that what was happening to you happened? Again, the desire to speak up, to let someone else know that I hear you, I see you, I feel you. Because as a speaker, speaking to K-12 students, college students, sometimes they believe that the teachers or the professors or even the people working in the different departments don't understand. I needed to let them know, listen, I understand you. I don't come from a rich family. I come from an area where around the corner was a strip club. Mm. And I was not supposed to be here, very suicidal, laid in the middle of the street, trying to kill myself and cars running around me and somebody picking me up and telling me, are you crazy? They have to hear that because based on what they see, it doesn't look like I've been through anything. And unless I testify, then they'll know and trust. No, this lady talking facts. She feels me. And if she did it, I can do it too. Mm. If she did it, I can do it too. I think that is what gives us as speakers, I want to say great power. When I say great power, it's not from this idea of we're trying to be powerful over people, but it gives us power in who we are and that recognition that what we've been through, we can then empower you. The one who's found their power can empower. That's how I look at things. So I really uh, appreciate you you saying that. Um, And just thinking about you, Going into entrepreneurship, you know, having a background in education, even what was that like for you? And what was that that tug or that pull that made you want to do it at all? Before I went into entrepreneurship, I was very satisfied 
in the corporate America, you know, working in higher ed. I mean, it was amazing, especially I landed my favorite job being the director of dual enrollment, meaning helping students in high school as well as middle school get a taste and feel of college. But then they dissolved my position. And it was at that moment I realized I am really replaceable, not because I didn't do my job well, not because I was the worst person. No, 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 no. I did a phenomenal job with excellence, but it didn't make a difference because I was replaceable. And this is what propelled me into entrepreneurship because I realized I do not want to be dispendable or I do not want somebody else to have the power to decide if I can be replaced or not. Because as an entrepreneur, you are the one that replaces yourself by not doing anything. Mm, wow. Not too many people say that they were enjoying themselves in <laughs> corporate America, um, that it was working out. I, I know you I know you know about it. I know you hear about it. And so to to hear that and to know that your situation was something that, again, out of your control, but yet you took control. And that's just really, again, good to hear because I know as a lot of us are first gens, things have happened to us that have been beyond us. And not just now, but it's been happening all our lives and how we're trying to navigate and figure it out. Some will say, well, just figure it out. But it's not always that easy. However, because we are powerful, right? We are creators and because we are in control, we do get to choose how we continue to go forward and to not give up. So you just continuously reminding us of that, that with hardship, you know, we have that responsibility to ourselves to keep going. So I love it. I love it. What would you say has been the most challenging part of of being an entrepreneur for you? Not having somebody to reach back and to help. Hmm. That has been the most challenging is not having, because in entrepreneurship, it's a lot of risk. Oh yeah. It's a heck of a lot of risk, right? But if you don't have that person that will extend a hand, that person that will um, go ahead and say, here, let me help you. You will endure trials and tribulations that's unnecessary. And this is the reason why I choose to amplify my voice no matter where I go, because I don't want someone who have the desire, that has the know-how and the capacity not to be able to have a hand to reach out and grab. Mm. To not have a hand to be able to reach out and grab. No, I never thought about that. It's serious. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> mm. Because when you think about the point of it all, it is to help. Absolutely. And then to not have that. So how do you navigate that? You know, how, how do you continue to push? Like, I know you choose to, but you know, the motivation or just being able to find it. How do you, how do you do that? And I'm going to be very transparent. For me, it's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of really, really tapping into me so that I don't get confused with the narrative of this world. Everybody has an assignment. Everybody has a purpose. Whatever that assignment and purpose is, 
those who are supposed to be your tribe, your client, your go-to, nobody can take them unless you release them. No one can take your designated clients, your designated tribe, your designated followers. You have the responsibility to show up every single day through divorce, through hell and high water, through family dying, through loss, no matter what it is, you have a responsibility to show up. And so this is what it is for me, is Christ number one, holding dear to my belief and my faith, tapping into me and realizing it's greater than me. Mm. Mm. It's greater than me. But what do you say to somebody who doesn't think it's greater than them, who doesn't know that yet? I would say to be very honest, wherever they are, if they look back at themselves 10 years, maybe even five years ago, and they look at what they could have told themselves back then, and they say it and write it, imagine themselves 10 years forward and what are they trying to tell them now today Hmm. because you got to be able to look back and recognize you made it through some stuff now where you are does not look like where you want to be but imagine you 10 years from now celebrating rooting you telling you come don't give up you can do it you can do it I'm not talking about the people in the world. I'm talking about you five, 10 years from now, rooting for you, celebrating, praying, and doing all that's possible so that you can, you and the future you can have a collision course. Hmm. But that can't take place unless you look back and look at yourself 10 years ago. And think about what would you have told yourself about all the challenges and all the things that you went through, but you made it. Hmm. If you would have had somebody to tell you before some of the things you wouldn't have went through or the mistakes, imagine yourself 10 years from now. Who would you have told yourself 10 years ago? I would have told myself today, 10 years ago, Cindy, you really matter. Don't stop. Don't stop, no matter if you're not getting the support at home. Take the mask off, in all honesty. Pack up your bags and leave, because it's not going to get any better. And so there's no reason to continue to devote. Choose to love you at all costs. Choose to love Cindy at all costs and trust God that he will bring you to a destination that you, your husband, your family can't even bring you. That's what I would have said because 10 years ago, Dr. Eve, I was doing so much. I was speaking, I was doing commencement ceremonies, being keynote speaker. I was doing workshops. I was all over the place but I retracted because of life. And now I have to rebuild to a certain degree. What has it been like for you to have to rebuild? Because I don't think people always get to think about 
how you're on this path. And then, like you said, you something's happened for you to have to pull back. And then any any ounce of pullback, I know you know, because you've been there, this is really feeling like starting from scratch because of having to pick up the momentum. So how have you been able to navigate that? I had to really look at myself and decide every day to keep pushing. I had to look at myself and realize I need to connect myself in different, I guess, self-help or different programs that can help rebuild my confidence, rebuild myself back up. Because divorce ain't for the faint. It really is not. And then I'm an empty nester, which means I don't have a choice but to look at all of what I was doing before and now reestablishing my why. So I had to immerse myself in programs and that would help me rebuild myself. I had to get counseling, serious counseling. I didn't like my first counselor. It didn't work. I didn't stop. I got a second counselor. It didn't match. So I have a third one. Why? Because I was, I'm determined. I am determined to not be one of those people in the grave packed with gifts. I want when I die that I am completely dry as a sponge in terms of all of my gifting. I refuse to be a statistics. I refuse to be a shoulda, coulda, woulda, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And my expected end is the bomb.com. And so I'm gonna press, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna speak, I'm gonna do what I need to do so that I can continue being unstoppable. Hmm. Whew. You know, I really like you. <laughs> You're talking my language. Um, even just getting therapy, I have the most amazing therapist. And she took a while to get to as well. But the thing is, knowing who you are, knowing what you need, just like you say, I was able to let go of those who weren't a good fit. But when I found her, oh my goodness, she allows me to be myself. And that's the thing that I love the most because I don't have to go in and put on a mask, even in counseling, afraid that one, you're not going to understand my culture or two, if I say something to you, you're going to kind of dismiss it on an account of not understanding it. Or, you know, you understand things, but I have a black therapist. And there's just something she understands that she's not misdiagnosing or so quick to tell me that I have anxiety because of the worries, because some of that's those cultural things. So I love Mm -hmm. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. When you decided to become an author and to write, what were some of your thoughts about that? And because I know for you, everything that you do is really about making sure, like you said, that you're serving and that you're helping others. So why the draw to, you know, do books? Because there are some people who say, Books aren't necessary for speakers. So I do want to ask you that while I have you. Well, I, to be very honest, I never saw myself as an author. Hmm. But I, I promise you, I never saw myself as a teacher or a speaker. Again, I was ridiculed, called all types of names, all the cartoon names you can think of from elementary even up to college. All right. I decided to become an author because I wanted to increase my reach. I wanted to impact people that I know I may never see, but they will be able to utilize the content of the book or the curriculum that I was able to push out to change the trajectory of their life, 
to change the narrative that they, you know, cannot do, to change those scripts that they were born with and that they were raised with. And so that's why I chose to become an author. I did it afraid. I still do it afraid. Because I'm like, who's going to want to read this? But I don't stay silent because every book that I've written, every curriculum that I've produced, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit because I knew this is in this time and this season, this is what needs to be done. And this is what needs to be said. And this is what they need to learn in hopes of, again, changing the trajectory of where they're going. Hmm. I, I can't go everywhere. I can't go everywhere around the world. But you know what? My book can. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> I know I know that's right. And it's so funny that you said that because it's just how our parallels. I didn't consider being an author for real. Like I thought I would one day maybe have a book of poetry, but not like as oh, I'm writing a book, you know, like a uh, John Grisham book or something like that, right? But similarly, I felt that I needed to, but I still don't see author as a really large part of my identity, although that's what I know it is anyway. That's just another form of, of empowerment. It's an extension of my speaking. And so, you know, I'm glad to meet another who feels the same <laughs> because I typically talk about, you know, speaker, entrepreneur, podcast. So people are like, oh, you're an author. Like I am an author, but it's like, I don't really think about it sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, I'm proud of it. Don't get me wrong. But again, it's just an extension of the work that I do, you know, when I speak. And so I, I love that. And for those of you who are listening, right, and are wondering yourself or feeling that pressure, just know that it's an extension of you. It doesn't have to be some big at the forefront of who you are and what you do, because I know how we prioritize is different for everybody. So thank you for sharing that with us. I definitely appreciate that. I do want to ask you a little bit about just how you are continuing to invest in yourself, even beyond the therapy. What are some other things that you're doing professionally and personally to take care of Dr. Cindy? There are several things that I do, several, okay? I enroll in different programs, right? Sometimes people think, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm done with school, I'm done, I'm never gonna go to school. Oh, nah, buddy, nah, okay? You have to always position yourself as a student. And when you take on that mindset, that you are always a student because you've never really arrived. You're gonna find things that's going to add value to you. So I'm in a leadership program, okay, that's been a year. I'm also in a ministry program, School of the Prophets, because I do, I thrive in my ministerial gift. I'm also in another program, it's called TOU, the One University, which is for relationships. I'm also a part of just different things that will go ahead and make me a better person holistically. I don't leave one area of myself untouched. And when I say untouched, meaning I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to be involved. I'm always trying to add value to myself because I'm, it's not about me. It's about those who I'm called to. And if I stop learning, I stop growing. And if I stop growing, I become impotent. I become stagnant because the world is forever changing. And if the world around me is forever changing, 
I must always position myself as a student, not just of the world, but a student of Cindy, because Cindy's constantly evolving. Mm. Constantly. And I think they said once you stop evolving, then you stop. Right. I mean, it's the end. So I'm not trying to stop evolving no time soon. <laughs> you know, I, I love learning. I love growing. But I, I but I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. And the idea of being a lifelong learner, there's always something that we don't know, something that we can be exposed to that shifts our perspective. Because, you know, we were talking about it earlier, just the idea of perspective. And so to hear that your constant learning continues to allow you to evolve and to grow that's something that I really subscribe to and I can really appreciate. So thank you for sharing that as well. And while I have you, I just got to ask you because you are like, well, look, while I have, I'm going to say, well, I have you because y'all need to understand this woman is on the move. So while, so while I have you, I'm just, you know, just while we're connected, but you know, you so, just a, a beautiful, beautiful person. I promise you just a beautiful person. Like there's just all around, just a glowing energy. When you think about being a black woman, let's go ahead and talk about that. Okay. What does it mean to you to be a black woman? And how are you helping shape the lives of other black women? What it means to me to be a black woman is to not be silent. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why, from a very young age, despite all of what I've gone through, I chose not to be silent. Because when you look at the black woman, especially from the trauma standpoint, not just from the world, but from inside of our home. Her voice never was amplified. Her mm -hmm. voice was never heard. Even when you look in scriptures to a certain degree, the voice of the woman was not necessarily, unfortunately, heard. It is not until the woman tapped into who they were, when they realized, you know what? There's more to me. And then as a result of them being in, tapping into themselves, they took hold of their voice and began to amplify it. And so how am I now utilizing my platform, utilizing my voice to help amplify the voices of others is whatever programs I create, Whatever curriculum I create, whatever product I create, I'm always including the young Black lady as well as the young Black man. Hmm. I never want it to be where you have a picture of anything that I'm doing and the Black kid or the Black woman or the Black mom or the Black couple is in the back. No, I need us to be in the front because we've been in the back too long. If I'm speaking to girls, I'm not telling them how to not be themselves. I'm empowering them to tell them, hey, you can be you, but just do it in a way that's poised. That's do it in a way where it's not loud, but it's loud. Because you don't have to be loud for you to be understood. You don't have to be boisterous. You don't have to have a filthy mouth. You don't have to show everything to have class and to be appreciated mm -hmm. and to be loved and to be valued. That comes from within. Nobody can give you that. You have to hold that. You have to develop that. You have to cultivate that. 
And when you realize the power is yours through Christ Jesus to cultivate it, you're not going to look outside for validation because you wake up validated. Mm, you wake up validated. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> look. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you wake up validated. Mm. You know what? Sit with that. Somebody sit with that. Just you wake up. Ain't nobody ever said that. Either. You wake up. Hello? Because at the point of not having to wait for validation, again, do you find your power? I think we are powerful. Yeah. I think we are powerful. And I think that, like you're saying, once we can get past the world telling us we're not, when we become conscious of our power, you better watch out. <laughs> you know, because it is something, even especially as women, right? To have not had a voice. And then for the Black woman, we talk about Black people being second citizens, quote unquote, but we ain't talking too much about the Black woman and what it means for her, for us. And I just think that when I look out and I consider the people who are in my life that are Black women in the entrepreneurial spaces and otherwise, ain't nobody like us who can understand me like we do. That's what I'm saying. Right. I'm connected with a lot of women across different backgrounds and I'm grateful for every connection. And this isn't to say any way, shape, form, or fashion that if you've been listening to this show, then you already know Eve's going, it is what it is. But for me, there's something about this being invisible, but so visible at the same time. Because, you know, as a black woman speaker, sometimes people look at you and they may pick somebody else over you who's maybe not more fit than you are for that thing, but because you're not, you know, fitting the bill, right? Because you're a black woman or they want to reach out to you and actually do something for free when they go ask somebody else to do it and they're going to be willing to pay them an honorarium. I know you know what I'm talking about. I do, and I want to interject. Please, please. (laughs) I used to come from the same school of thought, to be very honest, because entrepreneurship requires you to have a lot of risk. Yes, it does. A lot. And even us, as women of color, sometimes we don't even stick together. And that's the honest-to-God truth. Now, because I've been in the trenches and because I've come to the awareness that there's nobody that can take what's mine and there's nobody, if they choose to, to come to me and not value me, they're not supposed to be a partner. Mm. It's not supposed to be a relationship. It's not supposed to be a client. It's not supposed to be an endeavor that I'm supposed to take on. Why? Because anybody who's really sent by God for me to work with, to do business with, will pay me what I'm worth. Yes. Only the devil will try to pimp, will try to steal, or will try to make you compromise what you're worth for something less. And I ain't got time to play with the devil anymore. I ain't got time. So if you're not going to speak the language of my value of who I am, we don't need to be working together anymore. And that's okay. I don't hate you. I see you. But it does not hurt me. It does not change me. Why? Because like I said, I wake up validated every day. The breath of life given to me 
lets me know that, hey, it's another day to be unstoppable. So I no longer look at what looks like a missed opportunity as a missed opportunity. Mm. And it's not easy. I'm 41, going to be 42. 41, going to be 42. I learned this around 39, 40. Hmm. Talk to us. Talk to, talk to us. Come on. Say something. I don't want people to think, oh, this is how I always was. Nah, buddy. It's after <laughs> being. Nah. nah, buddy. <laughs> nah, no. buddy. Who talk to us? You, you know what? Listen. It took time. And a lot of people are not going to be transparent to tell you, hey, listen. Yeah, I'm talking the talk. I'm saying the right stuff. But yo, I just learned this 39, at age 39. Mm. But again, the, the transparency and the vulnerability, and I'm gonna I'm gonna thank you for that, right? Because I wanted to know your perspective because of how we're viewed. But see, you just you just took care of it. That's why I said I don't like this talking thing. You gonna you gonna get this work. I told y'all she busy, she busy. But even to that, so so many things to be said, but yeah, I'm gonna leave it right there because you said more than enough. And if you picked it up, you picked it up. If you didn't, come back and listen when you're ready to receive it. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> my goodness, what well, Dr. Cindy, before we're done, and my favorite question, I, I'm I'm like, I can't believe how much time has gone by because I'm very comfortable right now. This feels like we <laughs> sitting with our kind our coffee, you know, just whatever it is, you know, just having a good old time on the beach or something like I'm, I'm enjoying this. So we're going to have to do it again for sure. But before we do go, can you please, you know, and all the, the things you have shared, what would be that one piece of advice or wisdom that you really want to leave us with? Whenever they listen to this at that very space and time, it's not by accident. Mm-hmm. It is meant for them to know that they have the power to be unstoppable. It is not going to take somebody on the outside. It is going to take a decision and a made up mind Hmm. to walk in your truth, walk in your power, and walk knowing that you have the right to be unstoppable. So do the dog on that. Come on, somebody. Look. If I had a shoe, it would be coming on right across the room. You know how you know, you know what's up. You know what's up, Dr. Cindy. You are incredible. And what I love again is the energy. And you don't have to yell and scream, but this has been a delight. And for you who has listened and you are feeling it like I have felt it, please go connect, go learn more about her work, go say hi. The show notes have the links you need. I always make it easy for you. So go check out those show notes. But Dr. Cindy, for all that you are doing, for all that you have done, for all that you will do, I want to say thank you. And for us crossing paths and just for how you've even blessed me, I'm going to say thank you for that as well. But in the meantime, I want you to continue to be good to yourself and continue changing the world as only you can. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I hope not to be a stranger. I hope I can come back again because this was good. Oh, I think so. I think so. Uh, we have to do this thing live next time. Though. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right now. Until next time. All right then. Have a good one.